0: Well, hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of the of the Retro Breakdown uh, that we totally didn't scramble to put together in the last couple of days. Uh, Tom is out this week with a, uh, not an emergency, but like just sort of a, he contacted me a couple of days ago and was like, oh, I'm not going to be here this weekend, so we can't really record. So instead...
1: Hi, I am here to talk about game.
0: <laughs> many game. <laughs>
1: many game.
0: So there's actually, so Jesse's here. Um, you may remember Jesse from, we've done several podcasts at this point. I think, was Sonic. the last one Sonic 3? Oh, Dark we, Souls. Oh, and Dark Souls. That's true. Over the summer. Yeah. Did I say Dark Souls 3? No. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> you didn't say that. That's fine.
0: Yeah, Dark Souls, and we did, we did two in a row. We did Dark Souls and we did NBA Jam. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, you're back. We're married.
1: <laughs> Small details.
0: Yeah. And uh it's sort of fortuitous because you just came back from your uh you just came back from your family's house. I did. And your mom, garage sale aficionado. That's right, stumbled upon a book labeled Books 50 Cents. A box. <laughs> say a book. A book labeled a book. A, a box labeled Books 50 Cents, completely filled to the brim with PS1 and Wii games.
1: Yes. And my mom has in the past done resale on eBay. And what she'll do, she's very sneaky about it. She uses her kids or her grandkids as like motivators to get the person to, to like haggle with her. Mm -hmm. So she'll pick up a whole bunch and she's like, oh, my grandkids really love these Lego things. Also, make it so that you kind of understand what the thing is, but you don't really know, so you can misname it. Or yeah, It's very sneaky. So she'll pick up a thing and she'll be like, how much is this block thing? And it's, it's clearly Lego branded, like, in the box, like, mm-hmm. Harry Potter or Castle or something. And she's like, but, oh, my kids like these block things.
0: But if you say, <laughs> like, oh, this Harry Potter Lego set...
1: Is worth a great deal of money. Yeah.
0: Like, if you let on that you know it's worth money, they'll be like, it's 50 bucks.
1: Yeah, no, it's way more <laughs> than that. Well, I well, paid... At the, at the
0: garage sale, it's What they'll bucks. say
1: is, well, I paid 200 for this, so I'm willing... It's got all the pieces, so I'm willing to take, like, 149 Yeah, or whatever. Right? And it's like, oh, this is a garage sale? <laughs> I don't know if you got the memo, but this is a garage sale, and that's too much money. Um... People are a lot smarter about it now. You don't find- Nobody
0: walks around a garage sale with like 150 bucks. They do, don't they? They do.
1: Because a lot of people who shop garage sales are doing resale on eBay or whatever. Well,
0: and they're also not buying one or two things. They're out to spend the whole day. And like, they may not drop $100 on one thing, but they may drop five on 30 things.
1: So my mom has, we've always shopped garage sales together and- there is a garage sale in the U.S. called the world's longest yard sale. Yard sale, garage sale, same difference. Yeah, just location, interchangeable. Just location of where the goods are held. Yeah. <laughs> so in that, it's it's like 500 and something miles worth of road that you can set up a garage sale on.
0: I think it's more than that. It's like <clears throat> Michigan to Georgia, isn't it? It's Alabama. like Alabama. Yeah.
1: I don't know what's going on with my throat, but it is frogging. <clears throat> that happens me. a
0: lot when I start the podcast and it's just like... <laughs> It's the public speaking thing, and then you, the the dry mouth happens?
1: It's not even dry mouth. It's just like... <clears throat> anyway, so we all we had, for the longest time, gone on this World's Longest Yard sale together. It happens in the first weekend in August. And for the first couple of years, I started this process of looking for games for our collection that we didn't have and trying to find them for a good price. And I think it was much easier... At that time in like 2007 or eight when I started going to find these things, but people know their value now. this is like the early stages of eBay.
0: yeah people are <laughs> people are much more likely to use the internet to see what they have is worth. and also the used game market has gone out of control in, in yeah. the last two or three years.
1: So what I think happened in this case is this person was cleaning out a child's room, their their kids' room and there were a bunch of CDs. Like, train drops of Jupiter, Sheryl Crow, like, these kinds of, like, older CDs. Very 90s. Very 90s stuff. And all of those cases were empty. And those were on the same shelf as these, you know, crystal disc cases for PS1 games. And so she just stuck them all in the same box Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, they're probably not worth anything because they're in jewel cases.
0: And also who uses CDs.
1: Who uses CDs. And so my mom starts looking through them and she notices that they're PlayStation. And- There were a couple other things. There was also a copy of uh, a copy of Pokemon Snap on 64. Oh, in, yeah. In the, in I the, think that's
0: like the only 64 <clears> game in the there. It's the
1: only one. So this lady had just put them all in the box, and she'd mark the box like, I don't know, like 2 or $3 a game or CD. And then my mom noticed she opened one of the CDs, and the, the CD wasn't actually in there. You know mm-hmm. that person is driving around their car with their little sleeve up above their... Uh, above their seat
0: well they were 10 years ago yeah
1: yeah i mean even even my malibu i still had like a cd thing up there because it was a cd player but it didn't have bluetooth so so you know that person had probably kept all the cds in the sleeve above that was like
0: 10 years ago Uh, i know i know
1: (laughs) on their visor and so they just got rid of the cases and didn't think about you know whatever so My mom starts pulling and she calls me. She's like, my daughter collects these things. So I just want to see, you know, and I was like, mom, don't, you don't say the person that you're calling collects these things. Yeah. Because then they're like, oh, inherent value. I have to.
0: Yeah. Collectors pay more for things.
1: So she, she calls me and she goes, they got a bunch of PlayStation games, video games, PlayStation video games. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, most of that is
0: probably trash. And I wasn't wrong. I also thought that. Like, and every time your mom calls and is like, I found video games, it's like, okay, what, like, it's gonna be, like, a Cabela's game? Like, <laughs> I don't know. three licensed Disney games? There are, there
1: are two games in this box that I think of <laughs> literally any time she calls me and says, is, is video game?
0: Yeah. This one? Chaotic Shadow Warriors for Wii.
1: Or Skylanders. yeah, Or something like yes, Madagascar Escape to Africa. Yes,
0: licensed movie game.
1: Yeah. 100%. So this, these were also in this box, but, you know, that's what I think when she's going to call me. Or it'll be some NES game cart that's like Mario Brothers or something that we already have, and everybody that has any collection has that game. Yeah. Occasionally, and she doesn't know anything about video games in her defense. Like, she knows nothing.
0: I... I will never forget the time that she was looking at little figurines. Yeah. And I think she found like a Pokemon or something like a like a Happy Meal toy. Yeah. And she was like, do you want him? He's video games.
1: Theo, do you have to chew your bone on the, the on, air vent?
0: Yeah, literally on the air vent. Do you have to <laughs> He's like,
1: like dad? The air is on and it's cozy. I like it. It's, it's entertaining. I get to entertain myself, but also feel nice.
0: It's like, also you won't let me chew bones on your clothes.
1: He's just staring. Anyway. So she looks down and she calls me and she the first thing she picked out of the box and asked me, Do you have this? was Crash Bandicoot. And I was like, That's a good start. So she starts naming start. off she starts naming off stuff and I'm like, okay, there's some there's some stuff in there. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I said, Well, how much are they? She said, Well, it says three dollars. She said $3 each, and I said, uh, that's probably kind of a lot. So she just puts the phone down and yells at the lady, would you take 25 bucks for the whole box? My daughter said she wants them all. And I'm like, I didn't say that, but okay.
0: <laughs> that's so like her, too. It's like, okay, so here's the first one. Oh, that one's pretty good. She'll take the whole box. <laughs> There's like 50 games in there. Yeah, so she
1: bought that whole box for 25 bucks, and I we... I didn't know what was in it. I just knew that there was a Crash Bandicoot and a couple other things in there that I didn't really want. Because she's like, because initially when I, when she calls and says, is this, is this something that you would want? If we already have that game, I'm more likely to say, let me look it up and see how much it's worth. And then I'll be like, okay, it's worth, you know, 15 to $20. Hey, it's probably a good deal if you're going to get it for a dollar. I don't need it, but you could resell it. That's basically what I tell her. In this case, I was just like, I don't, there's a lot in there and I don't know anything about that. And even now, I'm looking at some of this stuff. Like this, this, <laughs> this Wii game right here, Heat Seeker for the, for the Wii.
0: From Masters By the Codemasters
1: with a GameStop sticker on it that says it was $2.69. I have a feeling this is a terrible game.
0: There's a very strong chance of it.
1: But I'm intrigued. You know what I mean? Because you play so much trash all the time. <laughs>
0: So even though... You're not wrong.
1: Even though she's like, you know, I don't know if any of these are any good, and I start hearing some of the names, and I'm like, that's a bad game. Yeah. I'm still like, hmm, potential for stream, potential entertainment, you know?
0: Which brings us to today's podcast. It turns out (laughs) that in addition to, like, every Crash game on PS1... Yeah. Like, we got Crash 1, 2, and 3 crash team racing and crash bash which i forgot was even a thing um and rayman original rayman's mm. in there as well um so there's like a de- and original uh, tony hawks pro skater which is a classic and is yeah we thought about streaming and then we were like no oh yeah we oh and uh, yeah and crash of the titans for we i don't think that's very good But it's a sierra game so so we thought about playing tony hawks pro skater but then we were like, no, my stream won't survive the copyright strikes from that. So instead, we pulled a pair of PlayStation demo discs out of the uh, out of the case, and we were like, let's just play everything on this demo disc. Yep. Now this is a specifically this the one that we played, and the topic of today's <coughs> podcast is. The official U.S. PlayStation Magazine demo disc from May 2001. Now, May 2001, yeah. rather notably, is post-launch for the PlayStation 2. So, we have another one here that is the, the demo disc from June 1998. And there is a significant difference in the level of quality... Of what's on each of these <laughs> demo discs. Now I have a suspicion that the June 1998 demo disc is a monthly like here's what's here's what we have for demos that's coming out in the next couple of weeks type of demo disc, and I I suspect that the May 2001 one that we played is more of a greatest hits here's all of the stuff you might have missed on the PlayStation 1 now that the PlayStation 2 is out type of demo disc yeah cuz let me read you through the stuff that's on the uh, the June demo disc this these games will not be featured in today's podcast but they are cardinal sin that's s y n sin vigilante 8 which is which is known and and loved I don't think it's particularly good because it's basically a twisted metal knockoff. But like, I mean, I liked it. <laughs> you like twisted metal too. I also like bad games. Uh, Forsaken, which I've not heard of. N N2- two N twenty or N two O. It just it just occurred to me that it might be N two O like H two O but for nitrogen. I don't know.
1: As nitrous
0: oxide. Sure, maybe a racing game. I don't know. We didn't play it. Yep, N two O nitrous oxide. That's gotta be a racing game. Uh, Toca? T-O-C-A? Which I've also not heard of. And the original, and the original Dead or Alive. It's a space shooter. What? (laughs) Take a deep breath and...
1: That's spelled wrong. Prepare to engage in an electrified tsunami of light. What? Color and fortified funk. You're a tunnel runner screeching through thirty levels of constantly morphing psychedelic dimension of N2O lockdown power up and take the trip of a lifetime as you're fueled by adrenaline and driven by instinct in this state of the art 32 bit space shooter. That kinda sounds cool. It does kinda sound cool, but also this says it was But do you
0: even use nitrous oxide in space? Who knows? I don't know, like... I thought they just burned hydrogen. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. I don't know anything about rocket fuel. Um, and then there's non-playable demos for Tomba and Jersey Devil. So that's what we're not playing. But just to give you an idea of, like, the general level of quality there. What we did play, and will be talking about, is... We'll start with the bad ones. We start with Disney's The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Sorry about that.
1: He's just hacking on a bone. Could you not?
0: He always comes in and chews the bone when we're when we're sitting at the computer together. He's like, "I got to occupy myself somehow and you guys aren't paying attention to me." Yeah. We got Cool Borders 2001. We've got Ape Escape, The Legend of Dragoon, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver, Medieval 2, Siphon Filter 2, Metal Gear Solid and Tekken 3. So this is like a who's who of some of the best games to come out on this platform ever.
1: Yeah. And it's a lot. Like, the number of games on that disc.
0: I think there's six on the other one. There's six on this one. There's way more. There's nine on this. And then, like, Metal Gear Solid is on this. And the thing is, this came out in 2001. Some of these games are from, like, three or four years earlier. Yeah. So I really feel like this is, like, a... This is, like, a... A greatest hits demo disc, basically. You can tell that they repurposed some of the some of the demos because there was one that was like coming soon. Yeah. And then the next screen said available now. Like, like the coming soon was hard coded into the demo and then they had to put a thing after that because they just copy and pasted the demo onto the disc. Yeah. And then they were like, just put a screen after that that's just on a black background and just says available now. It's true. It'll confuse the hell out of people. So for today's podcast, we're basically just going to run down our experience with each of these demos because we streamed them last night and played each of them either until we got to the end of the demo or until we got frustrated and stopped, <laughs> depending about on the game.
1: 50-50 on whether or not that happened. Yeah.
0: Well, some of them like some of them were ridiculous, but let's. I'm gonna go straight down the list of how they're how they're listed on the on the disc. So the first one.
1: <clears throat> shouldn't we talk about the startup of the game itself?
0: We should talk about the weird <laughs> blowfish versus
1: tanks, tanks and, and planes. And, yeah.
0: Animation that looked like it was straight off of Newgrounds in 2001. I. The, I almost feel like maybe we should have popped in the other PlayStation, the other demo disc, just to see if, like, do they just have...
1: Yeah, is that just a thing that they
0: do for Do they just... Yeah, do they just do opening animations for all the demo discs? I don't know. I didn't, like...
1: I don't remember that, but I think I probably had... I think we would buy PlayStation Underground more than we bought this magazine. So the demo discs that we used to get as a kid, when I was a kid, I don't believe they were like that. They were more, like, grungy, like...
0: Yeah, PlayStation's so cool. Like butt metal music.
1: <laughs> you got this disc at the Pizza Hut. That's awesome. They did do demo discs with pizzas for some reason. They Google. did. Man, the '90s is a wild time. Man, I
0: got free PC games from cereal boxes, and True. not even Chex Quest. Like way worse games. Worse than, than, Chex than Chex Chex... Quest. Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, she didn't like it.
0: Yeah, Check's <laughs> Quest is actually okay though, Kit. It's it's actually not bad. It's got like it's got, it's called classic now. That's right. So, so yeah, there's a weird animation that it's kind of indescribable. It's like a it's like a big new ground. It's like a new grounds slash like Nickelodeon animation from the '90s, Blowfish, and it's just a big like it's a big kaiju thing. Yeah. And it's just kind of floating through a city. And then
1: there's no other, there's some like weird music or whatever happening. Yeah. But the only other sound that you hear is the very first thing is some kind of science, science sciencey looking guy who's like, blowfish.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, what? And it's like bit crushed to hell so you can barely tell what he's saying. (laughs) And then it's just like, tanks hit blowfish, blowfish hit tank, planes hit blowfish, laser. Blowfish shoot laser out of mouth to kill things, and then it shows the, the official you PlayStation Magazine logo, and then the fish turns to you and is like bar.
1: Yeah, we you know what we could probably put this up on YouTube. the 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 stream from last night as a single one off.
0: Yeah, probably. So if you're really interested
1: in seeing what's going down on the animation from PlayStation demo disc from 2001, you can in fact see that.
0: I wouldn't, like, hard recommend it. It's just weird.
1: It's just weird.
0: It's not good. No. It's just interesting because it's bad and doesn't need to be there. So game one. not This is not actually in the order that we played them, which would probably be a better way to do it. But just to keep it straight, I'm just going on the... I don't know why they're ordered on the disc differently than they're mm-hmm. ordered on the, in the actual game. But the first one up here, Disney's The Emperor's New Groove. So this is exactly like if you've ever played a licensed game from this era, it's exactly what you expect. Yeah. It's a it's a simple 3D platformer, and you collect stuff in the stage, and the and there's characters. Look at the, there's the characters that you recognize from the game. Yeah. It was weirdly not as bad as it looked.
1: Okay, but it was also busted. Yes. <laughs> okay, and, and uh okay, I expect it because it's a demo, right? But
0: A demo of a Disney-licensed game.
1: That was not great. But movement-wise, it seemed okay. And it's hard to say because we were playing in the capture card, so there was a lot of input lag. So jumping was a mess. It was a mess. Jumping
0: on a lot of these games was just bad across the board. But I think it might be input lag. No, I mean just like the camera movement that went along along with, with jumping was almost universally bad in every game. That's true. But But, that's, you know, that's early 3D. Yeah, I've been trying to, like, pick up the conversation here as if nothing's happening, but, like, this is, like, our fourth attempt at following up this conversation because the dogs will not stop. Like, first it was barking, and then it was, like, growling at each other, and then it was just hacking on a bone, like, really gross, and then it was hacking on a bone again.
1: But the other dog. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, like, now we're back, and anyway, we were talking about Jumping in Emperor's New Groove, yeah, feeling really bad.
1: Well, there's a lot of dropped input side because possibly because capture card, but also maybe just bad, bad.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a delay on like you have to be on the ground for like a bit before you can jump again.
1: And you know what's interesting? I haven't played a whole lot of PS One era Disney, you know, licensed games. I yeah, did I play really the crap out of, like, The Lion King and Aladdin for the Genesis. Because sure, sure. I had them both. And I always was struck by just how nice those games looked. hmm And sounded. You yeah. Know. They put a lot of effort into those. And I guess maybe that's just... Was it Virgin that did the... Uh,
0: Virgin made... The Genesis one. The Genesis one. And I think Capcom made the... Yeah, that's right. Made the SNES one.
1: So, the, but those were always really good games. I mean, to the point where they got re released recently for the for
0: the switch right yeah there that was like the that was like the end of the that was like the end of the really good licensed game era for a while
1: yeah so this was kind of one of my we had a playstation one but it wasn't mine it was my brother's and Mm -hmm. he had very few games for it he had vigilante 8 twisted metal and a bunch of sports games because that was what he was into so we didn't really play i've never played mgs i've never played Final Fantasies on PlayStation, which is a big hole in my, like, knowledge of of gaming because we just didn't have it. But we did play some of these demo discs, and I was always struck by how bad the polygons (laughs) looked. And when we first started playing The Emperor's New Groove, I don't remember his name. Cusco, Not Cusco. The John Goodman's character. Pacha. Pacha.
0: He was a big polygon, and he was just, like, one shape. He's just a big green shape. With a head.
1: And that's the first thing you see in that game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, woo, that's not good. That does not look good at all. And all of the characters look bad. But it's it's weird to go from a, a cartridge-based game like, you know, the Aladdin games that you don't have to worry about 3D textures and what that's going to look like. And then you go to the PlayStation and you, all of a sudden you have all of this power and resource
0: that you didn't have. But how do you make a character there was a there was a hard shift as soon as you got onto discs because it's like oh now we can render 3d shapes so we have to put everything in 3d that's the that's where we're going with this now and it just it became this big like it became this big gold rush to make 3d happen when there was still so much untapped 2d potential I think that's one of the biggest things in the in the PlayStation one era that I'm just like that I lament is how much how many Symphony of the Nights could we have had if more companies had just diverted their resources to perfecting and refining 2D gameplay instead of rushing into jank 3D gameplay that frankly they weren't ready for. But, I mean, that argument goes both ways, because if you don't have the jank early 3Ds, 3D Ds, three games, then you don't have a foundation to build off of to make that better later. But
1: this is not, it's not just the transition to 3D, this happens every generation, when a console does something new, and it's okay at first, but like, you think about open world games and GTA being sort of the catalyst for an entire generation of games that were like, put so much shit in this game that you can't do anything else. Yeah. So much, and then this pe- the people will play this game until our next game comes out, and they won't be sad. They won't be missing out because there's so much content to to be had here. Yeah, and that <clears throat> that in itself, and then the Dark Souls thing. How many games were like, wow, Dark Souls is really hard, but they have this cool model of like you die, but you go back to the place that you were, pick yep. up your souls, go do this. How many other games were like, we do that. Shovel Knight does that.
0: It does. You lose
1: your you lose your coins. You got to go back to get your coins, yep. right? So. It's, yeah, the,
0: like it's start like it's trend chasing. Yeah. Right? Like everything's a battle royale now. Yep. I mean, that's actually kind of,
1: that's actually kind
0: of sliding off. Actually it's
1: not because like, okay, we've been playing
0: Rumbleverse. Well, yeah, there's still battle royale games coming out, but we're past the, the apex of like every single new game has to have a battle royale mode. It's true. We have to flood the market with these. Now I think the, I, th- I think the big trend now is like gotcha mechanics.
1: Yeah. It's still, Which it's still hanging out. It sucks. On. It's true. Well, and, and a lot of companies are moving their p- properties free to play. Yeah. And it's it's so weird. It's like great single player games are still being made. Like I keep thinking about Forbidden West and how, you know, how great the first game was and how that's a launch title for the PS5, but PS5, you can't buy a PS5. You can't right. find a PS5. And so that's Horizon
0: game... Forbidden West like the Horizon series in general, it sucks to be them
1: for real because
0: those games are both great but the first one came out in the same in the same launch window the same month or week or whatever as breath of the wild mm-hmm. the second one came out in the launch window with elden ring yeah like they both are really good games that got buried by bigger games
1: but isn't that forbidden west is also a playstation exclusive yeah so that's also shooting yourself in the foot because you can't play this game unless you own a ps5 and nobody owns a PS5 because you can't get a PS5. I don't.
0: Forbidden West. Forbidden West might be on PS4 as well. I'm not sure about that. It seems like they would make it not that, but I, I'm not sure.
1: Well, anyway, this is a sidetrack, but I'm just basically.
0: <laughs> however, however, it is that we got to Elden Ring yeah. and Horizon Forbidden West from the Emperor's New Groove for PlayStation <laughs> One.
1: Trend chasing. Trend chasing. Yeah.
0: So yeah, the the, the point the The reason we got onto trend chasing is because they they're doing three d and the three d is jank. But it's considering it is a licensed Disney game, the Emperor's New Groove is a serviceable, okay to play game,
1: except for the ground disappearing and the draw distance being non-existent. and the
0: draw distance on all of these games is garbage. Now, I That's think true. I think a portion of that may be the demo disc.
1: It's got to be down a little bit. They you know?
0: might be able to optimize it a little bit better when they have the whole disc to work with.
1: I'd be interested, honestly, and maybe we just find the game somewhere, the, the ROM of it, and just play it. But I'd be interested to see how how much polish they added to this game. Because I looked up, here's the review on Metacritic for Emperor's New Groove. I'm going to uh, disagree
0: and say I don't wish to play any more of this game.
1: 66 is what the Metacritic score is for Emperor's New Groove. And basically not a groundbreaker or a technical marvel fairly clever clever level designs with puzzles for young people yep blocky graphics complete lack of challenge or any fun mini games and bad stabs at humor well that's just the game that's just the movie in they, itself but
0: they really tried to do the they really tried to do like this sarcastic tone of the emperor's new groove and boy did it fall flat there's
1: no, there's no voice acting yeah so you lose so much of the delivery that david spade's character has as kuzco in the movie right um so yeah we also were kind of like oh crap we started this and then it's like they actually show trailer for the movie oh yeah and then it's like well this is getting dinged
0: yeah because it had the it had the music in the background luckily the dogs were barking over it because that's just what they do um, who is it? Like, is it Tom Jones? Is that the name of the the singer, like the Las Vegas singer? Maybe it's not
1: unusual guy. Okay? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's right. he's the one who does that that title track.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I was like, oh, that's probably not okay. So we watched that for a little bit, and then it was just pure chaos and barking and sound. And then I was like, <laughs> you know what? We can just skip this. Actually. Yeah, we did. We've seen the movie. It's twenty years old. It's also like a set, like we talked about it yesterday, it's like a 72 minute movie. It's crazy, like they they put that thing together on a shoestring budget.
1: I watch K-dramas that are longer than that, for an episode. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say, a single episode of it. So yeah, anyway, we spent too long on this, but like, Ember's New Groove is a platformer. It's a, it's a run-of-the-mill 3D platformer that's better than you'd think, but worse than you'd hope. Yeah.
1: Not as good as either Genesis... Lion King whatever.
0: Right. But probably better than Bug's Life.
1: <laughs> probably.
0: I mean, we only made it through like half of a This was one that we didn't finish. Yeah. And it's cuz like the I whole died. thing the whole thing was like get through the stage and and collect 50 coins. And we collected like 28 coins and then like fell off of a cliff. And then it started us back at the beginning with zero and we were like done because we'd already spent like 25 minutes in it. And we were like, this is more time than this deserves. That's right. You know, we did not spend 25 minutes in Cool Borders. Yeah, right. Cool Borders 2001.
1: Critically panned.
0: Okay. Forget it being critically panned. I just want to talk about the way this demo worked on (laughs) the disc. This is one of the most bizarre demo experiences that I've ever had cuz most of the time on the all of the other games on this demo disc they give you like the actual title screen and they have you click into new game or whatever and you just go right so cool borders just foregoes a title screen foregoes a start button foregoes any of that you just select it from the menu and then it loads in and then you were at the top of a track and you start moving. Yep. And then it's just like you do go, anything do anything and you slide down to the bottom of the track and then you cross the finish line and it kicks you back out to the menu. Yep. Like the 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 demo disc select menu. It like
1: it was I, literally a save state <laughs> yeah, basically, with no pomp and circumstance getting into it, no menu, no
0: explanation, just like, oh, here you are, you're going, you're going now. It barely even tells you the name of the game. Like, it basically relies on the demo disc itself to do that. It was bizarre, and like, we both basically did like one run down the track.
1: And I did a spin instead of any tricks.
0: I mean, that counted, it was a, it was a, a 180 backside. You know what, backside in bake-y. my
1: defense... If I had actually gone snowboarding, that's exactly how I would have approached it. I did a little hop. Yeah. And that's enough for me. You wouldn't have done... <laughs> I a... didn't break anything. Yeah,
0: right? You wouldn't have gone off a big ramp and done a 180. No. Are you kidding me? That is crazy. And what's
1: weird about that is I feel like I played...
0: I think there was an earlier Cool Borders that is good.
1: I think I played... I thought it was Cool Borders 2.
0: I do know that Cool Borders for Game Boy Advance was on Cusa Grande last year.
1: Oh, And yeah. it hurt
0: everyone's hands.
1: I'm looking it up because I need to know.
0: Because they all had to, like, they all had to basically... It's, like, sort of isometric, and you're moving, like, down left through the stage. And you had to literally hold down left on the pad for the entire game.
1: Yeah, I definitely played Cool Borders 2.
0: Yeah, I thought it was Cool Borders 2, but it is, in fact, Cool Borders 2001. Because I guess they were looking at, like, Madden and other sports franchises doing the annualized entry. And they were like, we could do that with snowboarding. They could not.
1: No. No, they couldn't.
0: But yeah, there's not much to say. It was like, there was so, we had so little time to actually, like, acclimatize to it. um, It didn't feel like it controlled very well. No, it didn't. And,
1: And. And comparing to something like Tony Hawk, that is highly precise and, you know polished
0: or, or even like the later ssx which mm-hmm. does that concept oh i much, definitely much played better. ssx maybe that's what i'm
1: thinking i feel like i maybe i rented cool borders 2, but sxx
0: I, I i guess the i guess the better comparison would be 1080 snowboarding but i gotta admit i never really played 1080 snowboarding i remember renting it once and trying to do like the tutorial tricks but like Trying to pull off the button sequence necessary for the 1080 because it's like a 12 button sequence yeah. while, you're, while you're in the air was like, that's like the only thing that I remember about playing 1080 snowboarding. I don't remember actually doing races or anything like that. So I don't know. It Like, it seemed kind of fine, but it was also just kind of there and gone. and We were like, okay, that's that. So I have very little to say about it.
1: And there wasn't any like you couldn't just go back and try again without just rebooting, reloading the the whole thing. Yeah, thing, and so because it just kicked you back to the main demo disc screen.
0: Yeah, it was the most notable thing about it was just how bizarre it was that you you select it and then it's just like after the loading screen and they all give you the the big confusing controller layout of like okay here's what all of the buttons do.
1: Yeah,
0: and it's like great I've learned nothing from that. So it gives you that, and then it's like, okay, you're you're at the top of a mountain. You're moving now. Go, 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 go. And then you do it, and then you just, you know, you land on your face a couple times, and you slide down the mountain, and then you're like, okay, we did it. And it's just, I like, I wouldn't say it was fun. No. But, I, I mean, I don't know how much of that is it just being bad, or and how much of it is just being weirded out that it just kind of threw you in there and didn't tell you anything. But I think it's probably bad. It's
1: rated very poorly. Okay. <clears throat> Where well, your, your cool boarders 1 and 2 we rated like a 7, 70, or whatever. This is like a 50, so it's not good.
0: I kind of wonder if the actual game is as stripped down. I mean, obviously it has to have a menu, but like...
1: I think it does, because there's a lot of customization, and you can get different boards, and so that's like the whole selling
0: point of these types of games. Sure. So I'm sure it has all that stuff, but well, if you're trying to do an annualized sports franchise, and the uh, the single update you're doing for this reason is for this season is not updating the rosters, then I guess the only thing you really can do is like, well, there's new boards, yeah, because I mean I don't think there's a whole lot of clamor for like, like let's get this let's get this season's snowboarding teams and and superstar players like it doesn't make any sense anyway we also played ape escape well that was an experience for sure ape escape was an experience because it's kind of what set the. that was the first one we played and it kind of set the tone for talking about how weird 3d gameplay was at its at its outset because ape escape was the basically the game slash tech demo that's teaching playstation players how to use the dual shock controller. Yep. And boy, does it show. Yep. Like, press R1 to jump.
1: The mapping for the controls for that game was all over the place and <laughs> did not make any sense. It
0: is bizarre. And
1: having been removed from the jank of that era for so long and actually having played games that have focus tested what what is the best attack button what is the best yeah. button for switching weapons all of that what's stuff. actually comfortable having done that and going back to this i don't know what i'm doing let's just use all the buttons boy it was it was it was hard
0: the only thing that made sense was like okay yeah use left stick to move your character yeah cool got yeah great got it
1: push in right stick to dive
0: it was left stick Oh, left stick. The movement stick.
1: Oh, that's right, because you have to, like, hold it in and then move. Yeah, there's a lot of that.
0: Yep. Yeah, L3 to dive underwater.
1: Oh, and then I got the helicopter thing, and it's like...
0: Oh, yeah, that was the worst part. It was like, jump and then rotate the right stick to get your double jump with the helicopter blades. Keep rotating it. And you had to
1: move it fast. If you just did just a little bit, you wouldn't get enough elevation. To make the jumps, and then you would fall.
0: Like, someone popped in just as we were playing that, and they were like, "Oh, cool, we're playing Mario Party." Yeah, good old Mario Party one with the with the stick spinning.
1: That's what it felt like.
0: Yeah, that was it's weird. Like, what else? It was uh, still camera control on the triggers. Mm-hmm. Um, select your weapon. Select your weapon with the face buttons. Mm-hmm. Attack. By tilting the right stick,
1: yeah, that was the weirdest. like throw your throw your net at the monkey to catch the monkey by moving the, the the right stick.
0: Now I give them some credit here for a couple of reasons. they really were trying to use all of the functionality of the control. You can tell that they designed the game around like, okay, we got these two sticks. They've got analog controls and they've got buttons. When you click them in, we gotta use them for core gameplay features. We like, we gotta show everyone how cool it is.
1: You know what it reminds me? I was like on Wii, Wii U mm-hmm. when they had the Star Fox game. Yep. And they're like, hold the gamepad up and use the game. Pad yeah, to look use the through.
0: gyro aiming on the gamepad to aim your arm. And it's like
1: it's a function, and I want you to use it. Yes. And it's like, but it's not good.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's exactly it's exactly what it feels like. It's like we have this functionality. And we were told to make it work. We were told to use it.
1: Yeah. You, you really don't remember that, but like the PlayStation 1 controller was not a DualShock. And for the longest time, even some of the games that we played on the demo disc used the D-pad to move.
0: Right. At best, some of them would like, it would be like, you can use the D-pad or the stick. Yep. But that was like less than half. At Metal Gear Solid was pre Dual Shock, so that game, like, that's that's pad based. Yeah. We're not we're not there yet. That's that's close to last. The uh I think we should do one more and then take a break. Mm. And this one probably won't take very long, because it's Legend of Dragoon.
1: I can tell that the game is good and that people love this game because it's an RPG and you know
0: It's really difficult to demo an RPG, especially when you start the demo with like a a three minute text scroll of where we are in the story. And then the first thing you do is more plot dump It's like, I don't know any of these characters. I don't know the locations you're talking about. I I have no emotional investment on what the hell you're talking about, and I don't understand what's going on and you've decided to tell me instead of what's going on right now you've decided to spend five minutes of my time explaining a character's backstory
1: yep and they dump you into an area and you have like an escape sequence where you're running away from some guards and then they put you basically and we didn't finish because I kept getting into random battles because there's random battles.
0: There's random battles. And... And it's a PS1 game with random battles, so it takes forever to get in and out of it. And them. there's
1: a timing system, and he knew this because he'd played it recently, but like I didn't know that you needed to m- mash the button like Mario, uh, Paper Mario style in time Yeah. in order to get like a sequence attack, but that was the thing, and then we spent the entire time trying to get into random battles just to hear the words Volcano. <laughs> yeah!
0: I was like, okay, we don't have to finish the whole demo, We just have to get, we just have to get to, uh, we just have to hear Dart say, Volcano! Uh, Which we eventually did, but it took a while.
1: It did. We heard it because I handed him the controller.
0: This, I think very strongly that this is probably a, you were a victim of the, uh, of the input delay on this one. Because the timing on this is actually very precise. Like, you gotta, you gotta be pretty, you have to be pretty focused on it. Yeah. Like it's not, uh, it's not easy timing, and the way it like spins in is not like it, it makes sense, but it's not like a rhythm game where you just have a you just have like a ring slowly sinking to the size you need it to be, and you can kind of time it up. It's much faster, yeah, and, and it's visually, much more
1: visually. It was not yeah. clear. Yeah. Plus, like there was she, no description from the game itself. Let me dump you into this plot, and then they don't explain the menus or anything like that and, like, what you're supposed to do. Now, if you are a person who's never played an RPG, and you see all of these menus, and you're like, what does this do? Yeah. I don't know. Do I just hit the button? Yes, but...
0: Yeah, it's clearly a... That is clearly a demo that is there for people who are familiar with RPGs from that era. And even then, like, the timed hits thing... Would not be clear to someone who, you know, only plays Final not a, Fantasy 7. It's VII. Not a mechanic
1: that is very common in RPGs,
0: specifically. Right. Final I- Fantasy 8 had a version of it for like one character. But like for the most part, the idea of like hit a button to do extra damage and like time the attack for, a, for like a critical, not super common. So like a lot of people got into the RPG thing with, with FF7, which didn't have anything like that. So if that was your entry point, like you'd see these you'd see these boxes coming up on screen, you'd be like, is that part of the attack animation? I don't I don't understand what that is. The demo makes no effort to explain to you what's going on. The only the closest it gets is there is a really like over in the corner of the screen there is a little X button. There's a little X button that looks like it's being pressed. So you could put that together and be like, oh I'm supposed to hit the X button. And I can see how you would put that together. It's, you know, it's also the 90s, so they expect you to kind of infer some things via gameplay. Especially in a demo. Like, the tutorial actually teaches you that that's a thing. But the demo drops you into the middle, and I think that's... I think to, in some ways that's kind of a mistake. But I also think... I remember from, like, playing Light of Dragoon, uh, if they were to start you at the actual beginning, beginning of the game the way Metal Gear Solid did, the beginning of Legend of, Dra- of Dragoon is slow and boring.
1: Well, this wasn't much better.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's and I It's slower it. and more boring because it's just all conversation and no fights. Yeah. Like it took me, I think, an hour to get into my first fight when I played. So like, it's a lot of exposition in that game. And I think that that's probably the first time that you get a little bit of like character movement freedom and you have a full party. And they also force the Dragoon transformation thing on you before you're supposed to have it. Yeah. Just so that you can mess around with it, which was funny because I actually stopped playing the moment you actually get that. So a lot of those things you were using and I was like, oh, I hadn't actually seen these before.
1: Yeah. It's funny because if I had played this demo, I'd be like, eh, this is a miss for me. Yeah. But it's a game that so many people are like, this is such a great game. We love this game. Mm hmm. But I think, it makes me think, having played that demo, it makes me think about the experience of playing the near Automata demo.
0: Mm. And how
1: incredible that was. Jaw-dropping. Like, going in and playing that mech, basically a mech fight to start the
0: entire demo. And you're (laughs) like,
1: holy shit, this is crazy awesome, what is going on? That experience can exist in a demo, and does exist in a demo, and I think people have learned over time, that you have to put your best out there if you're trying to get people into your game.
0: Yeah. It's not your best! The the way that a demo comes together, like, there's a... It's weird, because there have been eras where there's, like, there's a lot of demos. Like, during the 360 era, I think every game had to have a demo. I think Basically, that was... Yeah. I think Microsoft actually made it, like, a mandate. It's like, if you're gonna have... If you're going to have your game out on our system, it has to have a demo. Everything has to have a downloadable demo. So, like, that was just a thing for a while. And you had the demo discs like this, and you had, like, all sorts of stuff. Like, even going back to the 16-bit era, there was the, uh... There was, like, the McDonald's cartridge, right? That would have, like, four or five games on it. But they were all, like, a level or two. So, like, there's a lot of... You know, the, the era of, like game demos has kind of ebbed and flowed over time. I feel like they're kind of out of fashion now for the most part. Um, A lot of the demos you get now are like, you can play the first three chapters of the game and then roll your save data over when the game comes out, which is a great way to do it, actually.
1: Triangle Strategy did that, too. Mm -hmm. Especially for a story-driven game, when you're trying to get excited about a product coming out. Yeah. And you know that if you, if as a developer, if you create the first chapter as a demo, you probably spent the most time building out that first chapter as a proof of concept for investors to get to get funding. Anyways, so sure. you're not gonna you're not gonna know what your end boss is by that point when you're first starting out. So you've you've spent the most time building out something like that. So you have that content already ready to go, and yeah. you're, you're spending the rest of your time in development polishing. And adding to it. So you have that ready to go. You put it out there and people are like, oh man, I like this. And Mm -hmm. the best part is you can play it and then replay it if you wanted to. Or you can just wait until the next game comes out and you're already slightly invested in what's happening in the story and you're at an entry point and you're not just doing what this does, which is drop you in the middle and you're like, who the hell is that? Yeah. Who's that? What do you mean? Guards from where?
0: Yeah. Why are we being chased? We
1: broke out of jail? What is happening? Yeah.
0: Oh, we can't go that. We shouldn't go back to place I haven't heard of. Yeah. We need to go towards place I haven't heard of.
1: And on a demo disc with nine games, how likely are you to read that entire text dump?
0: I mean, if you are the type of person who really, really wants to be invested in an, in RPG, an RPG store.
1: Their RPGs are not typically demoed on these types of discs anyway. So you the get FF7 that.
0: demo is like famous for being a really good one. But FF7 has a really strong start, so they just let you start the game. Yeah. Because it drops you right into a really cool sequence immediately. It's about as useful
1: as at the start of all of these games, the PlayStation controller uh, explained how you move and how you do anything, and it's like the most complex-looking document ever, and you're like, this is so overwhelming, I can't.
0: It was a huge block of text. Worse on that one than any other. But yeah, it's... Like, if you're someone who's, like, really, really into RPGs of that era, then you're going to try to get invested in that. You're trying you're going to try to get excited about it. And the transformations were cool for the time. You use that one healing spell, and it took, like, a minute and a half to go through the animation for it. <laughs> and, like, at the time, that was the style. It's like, oh, man, look at this crazy, cool, over-the-top animation for this move. Boy, I hate all of that. I, well, it's, like, it just takes up your time. Like, those games... Eat up your time with random battles. They eat up your time with attack animations. They eat up your time with loading, going in and out of the battle, and the whole panoramic view of the battlefield before everything loads in.
1: You know, modern Atelier games have those, but only for supers. And it doesn't bother me to the same extent of this. It's like, I'm doing a regular attack, and it takes me 45 seconds. You
0: healed 60 hit points, and it was like, it took yeah. like a half a minute.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's like... Yeah, most most RPGs you can get away with a heal spell just doing a couple of sparkles.
1: Is it because it's like quasi two D? They're not using like the entire capacity of the PlayStation, but in this case, they're like, well, we could just put like some like video of the character doing the move, and yeah, that's kind of showing off
0: the tech of the the system. Yeah, no, absolutely FMVs. I mean, FMVs are not what the what the uh, the moves generally are. Right. That's all in engine stuff, but like. But this was an era where, like, if you've ever seen some of the summons from Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy 8, there was an arms race to have the biggest and longest and most cinematic and bombastic attack animation. And Legend of, Dra- uh, Legend of Dragoon had a reputation for having some of the biggest and most elaborate and longest and most cinematic sequences for all of the things that you're doing which was really cool at the time and now is like oh my god let me skip it final fantasy 10 starts to feel this because you have really long elaborate summon sequences for all of the aeons in that game but then after like the third second or third time that you do it you get a vastly shortened one so like you see like sort of the beginning of the animation and then it's just like cut so it's like, it, it's like, you've seen it. You saw the really cool thing. Now we're just going to get you back into the game. I mean, and I think the remaster gives you the option to just do the quick animation or the full animation, which is much better.
1: Yeah. I think the, the this generation of games has like replaced these long drawn out animations because people just don't need to see it. It doesn't affect whether or not the story is being told.
0: It's cool to see, but it also just takes you out of the action for, like, a significant amount of time. It might
1: also be part of the reason that FF fifteen and thirteen, I think, um, moved to a more active, you know, active style of combat in sure. an ARPG. Because people are just bored of turn-based battles.
0: Well, I mean, that's not necessarily true. Like, there's still a place for turn-based battles. I'm not saying, at, I'm like, not
1: saying, but some people are, and I think... They've moved it's away not,
0: from it. It's not the mainstream thing anymore. Like, Final Fantasy is trying to chase the, the largest contingent of people, and those people are not, those people are looking for active gameplay, not turn based gameplay.
1: It's kind of like Yakuza. You you've moved away from Kiryu stuff. They went
0: the opposite way. Yeah. The,
1: but the, and then there's that, that sect of people who's like, I hate this. But then everybody yeah. else is like, it's more Yakuza. I don't care. Yeah, it's fine. This is funny. I like. I I'd summon a crab.
0: When it's were fine. you ever playing Yakuza for the gameplay? Like the fighting is fun, and like you know, throwing dudes through windows is is a good time. That's neat, but ultimately, it's just all the silly. It's just all the silly stuff you get to do in the game that's the real appeal, and that's still there.
1: There's also like this whole near near has this and some other modern JRPGs where it's like. Disgaea this comes to mind. Mm. It's like this game is so many hours. Yeah. Why? Why would you waste time with the animations? Because those games yeah. don't have long ass animations for stuff. I mean, I don't know much about Disgaea, but I just know that it's long, like over a hundred easy
0: just for. Like, I mean, it's a game where you can just grind forever if you want to. was so like do you want to go into a hunt? S- do you want to go into a hundred level dungeon? To level up the potency of the one potion that you're carrying. Right. You can do that. And then you can do it for the next potion. You can do it for all 99 of your potions. There's a hundred level dungeon for each of them. Wow. Go. That's nuts. Because it's just it just randomly generates dungeons. You could just go into item dungeons to level up consumable items that you have in your inventory. So it's
1: almost like they got rid of these long, drawn-out animations and sequences and replaced it with side quests.
0: Basically. And grinding. But it's like... you. I think what they learned is you can do a really cool-looking cinematic special move that takes 15 seconds, not a minute and a half. Like, Triangle Strategy. Triangle Strategy has a sick-ass special move where Frederica drops a sun on people. Yeah. And it takes, like, 10, 15 seconds to cast. And it's just long enough for you to be like, Oh! And then it's over. But
1: even Meteor didn't take that long.
0: Which Meteor? In
1: six. In six yeah you have to think about the games that I've played. I haven't yeah, yeah. played any of the others past six, so don't ask me,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: it's coming. I'm sure
0: at some point we'll get there.
1: I will probably play the remaster of
0: seven before I play the old one. They're different, and people like people talk about how they change the story for seven, but honestly, I think you'd probably connect better to the to the new one just because it's more the story that is there is more fleshed out. They spend more time with it from what I understand. well it's,
1: it's polygons, right. Like I it's can't look polygons. at I can't look at polygons and be into it. <laughs> it was just, even it was even me.
0: weird for me playing 8 before 7 cuz 8 actually looks pretty good. Like the the characters in 8 have human-looking proportions whereas the characters in 7 look like Lego figures. And it was weird playing 8 and then going back to 7 and feeling like I'd gone back a console generation.
1: So anyway, this is not in any way. This is not intended to be like Legend of Drago- Dragoon is boring and sucks. It's not that. It's just the demo. It was demo, a bad demo. The demo did not give me the desire to play more of the game.
0: Yeah, the the demo drops you into a really weird part of the game and doesn't explain any of the mechanics, and then bores you with backstory on characters that you haven't met. I'd be
1: interested to know if on one of these PlayStation demo discs, if there's a demo of Chrono Cross. I'd assume so. I wonder how they would do that.
0: I, I assume there is.
1: Because I had played Chrono Cross, and I did love Chrono Cross, but, like, hell, I it could have looked like garbage. It oh. didn't. It could have looked like garbage, and the music alone would have been enough for me to be like, yeah, this game is amazing. Whatever.
0: I just realized, like, I didn't see the number on this before, but it's actually printed on, like, the background of the disc. 44. It's number 44. Oh, yeah.
1: This one's number nine.
0: So they really did put these out once a month, didn't they? Mm-hmm. If number nine is in June 1998 and then they get all the way up to 44 by May of 2001, like three years later, yeah, that's basically one a month. Imagine having one of these a month though that's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. All right, we got four more games to cover, but we're gonna take a we're gonna take a short break okay after after dog Bork break um we're back. the next game on the list was Legacy of Kane' Soul Reaver. So you were starting to say before we got more, before we got more dog interruption, <laughs> that you've seen this at. Uh,
1: I I would see it at, you know, a garage sale or a GameStop or something like that, and look at it and be like, oh, that's not my aesthetic. I don't really like that. It's dark and creepy, and yeah, not edgy. Edgy, kind of like how I didn't like Doom. Mm. Doom is too bloody and gory for me. But for some reason, I played Duke Nukem. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Um, So, I'd see it, and I'd be like, that's not my aesthetic. But now, I've played Dark Souls, and that's gross. Eh,
0: It can't, yeah, it can be. It's not Bloodborne gross. Bloodborne gross goes way over the top.
1: Shoutouts to Kay, who is currently going through Bloodborne.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Godspeed to her. Jeez.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I'll ever want to play that.
0: I wouldn't ever recommend. By it the time to you. I
1: get done with with all three of the Dark Souls games, maybe Demon Souls and and uh, Elden Ring, it'll be time for a new game in the series. And then I still haven't played Sekiro. or two. I can play Sekiro also.
0: I would. I mean, personally, I would recommend Sekiro a zillion times over Bloodborne. Like well, mm-hmm. as you're talking about my favorite game in the series versus my least favorite game in the series, which I mean, if you can consider them like the series. Sekiro is so much different.
1: Yeah. Gotta jump.
0: But anyway, Legacy of Cain, like, I think we both started off with it like expecting to not like it. And it was, you know, it's another game where the jump control is like, oh god, it's like it's like you're trying to give me motion sickness. You know
1: what he reminded me of? I think you played a long time ago, he played a a Pikachu ROM from some from China or something. And the jump jolted the entire screen. Do you remember that? It was really bad and jarring. This had a similar camera issue when jumping. And the speed when you jump wasn't more floaty like most games have a little bit of of hold when you jump. This was like, I jumped and I'm also coming back down immediately. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it has that really heavy like up-down jump.
1: So that's a bit jarring. Obviously camera issues... Um, Camera
0: issues abound in basically and a little all bit, of them.
1: I mean, maybe it's because we weren't like interacting with some of the things in the environment that would explain stuff, but like a lot of like try a thing and figure thing out.
0: Yeah, but another, another demo like uh, like Legend of Dragoon, where it doesn't really do a great job of explaining how you're supposed to do things.
1: But the combat
0: felt good. Generally, yeah, and the, it's interesting, the, like the way you have to finish.
1: Yeah. You basically have a three parts system you have to melee com hit them to kill them and then just stun them to stun them and then you stab them to basically like v- zombie vampire kind of whatever like with a stake and then once they're dead from that then you can absorb their soul yeah um to heal yourself and there's also some kind of mechanic where you can move in and out of a spirit world of some sorts and which gives
0: you sort of like Traversal, yeah, You get
1: some traversal Benefits for it But you also lose the ability to Transition in and out of that soul world Without being full health And not being You have to be on a specific spot Over a dead soul of a human or something
0: Yeah something like that So
1: it's really kind of interesting Especially like when you're in the spirit world And you transition out Sometimes you just end up in, a, in water Or in some other kind of like That you're not able to see Um in the regular map, yeah,
0: you transition at the at the bottom of an area back to the regular world, and it's like, oh, we're underwater now. Yeah. Oh, that was that was like unexpected. So I can definitely see it. Like it's weirdly the comparison that I'm going to come up with, and there are others, but the one that I know that we both played because we played it together is Guacamelee. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Where you
0: have the you have the uh, the transition between. Like the sort of light world, dark world thing, and it changes the state of the world so that you can like yeah. move through things. It's like it's very different in the way it plays out, but you can kind of see, even in that short demo, like how that would play out over time. And it's interesting. It's, I honestly, it's very intriguing. I
1: started looking into the game after, and someone in chat mentioned that. You know, there were basically three of the games and then they were working on a new game and it got scrapped. Mm -hmm. And then they kept intact the multiplayer and released the multiplayer on its own, apparently. I guess. So, but incidentally, this
0: game... It's got a messy history.
1: This game is rated a 91 Mm -hmm. on Metacritic, and a lot of people really like it. And having played through the demo, I can kind of understand why because it has a lot of depth in the mechanics. And we only played a very short period of time and only interacted with the same enemy twice,
0: basically. Basically, yeah. But even would
1: I play it? Probably not.
0: But it's but it's cool. It's like if someone was playing it, like on on Twitch. If someone we knew was playing Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver, you might tune in just to see more of the game and be like, "Yeah, I played a demo of this. It seemed really cool. Let me see what it gets to be like later."
1: You know what? It might it might be a situation where a new version of the game comes out, or a new new game in the series comes out, and it's good. It gets really good reviews, and then you're like, "Let's go back and take a look at where the series came from." In that situation, you might consider going back and playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people did with Crash. New Crash game come out. I didn't play any of the Crash games. Let's go back and play
0: those. Or if they did like an honest to goodness remaster. hmm This is one of the games...
1: That would benefit. Absolutely. That
0: um, was under Crystal Dynamics and thus was sold by Square Enix in the Crystal Dynamics IDOS everything sale to Embracer. So... Maybe. There's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of discussion about how, um, Square Enix wasn't really happy with their Western, with their Western acquisitions. The games weren't performing well. They weren't doing what they wanted them to do. So a lot of they just kind of left on the back burner. Like Legacy of Kain didn't get any attention, and Tomb Raider barely got anything. They didn't do anything with Thief. There's a lot of IPs in that acquisition in yeah. that group that have not really had anything done with them and like a straight up legacy of Kane remaster or like trilogy would be something that I feel like they could do fairly cheap that would have an audience for it. just
1: mod- like even even some of the reviews I read some of the reviews talking about how groundbreaking the camera and lighting work in legacy of Kane was and I was still janky to us sure but if they can fix and modernize the controls Mm -hmm. to match a modern controller and modern mindset of controls, the game itself would still... You would have a much easier time playing because it feels more native to what you've been playing in the last 10, 15 years. Right, right, right. So it would be interesting to see them do that. Uh, Now, I know that these games are also available on Steam, so, I mean, maybe they won't go that route.
0: I mean, having the classic available... On Steam has never stopped anyone from doing a remaster, but they
1: might consider half her... the
0: time what they do. If you're, you know, like if you're, uh, if you're Rockstar, then you do the remaster, make it worse in every way, and then remove the original versions that are better off of Steam, so you can't buy them. You have to buy the definitive edition that is busted to hell. Which hopefully they don't go that route. But
1: Was the that by, point by city or.
0: Vice City, San Andreas, and 3, I think. But yeah, the point is, like, it being available now does not mean they wouldn't still do a remaster. It
1: might be proof of concept if they do a trilogy remaster, Mm -hmm. and then they see that it sells well and gets good traction. Just updating a couple things within the code. I would
0: would say that of all the games that we played, outside of Metal Gear Solid, because that's in a class by itself... Um, it's probably the one that I would be most interested in, like, oh yeah, if they remastered this, I would probably play it. I would actually be super interested in, in seeing where this goes, because there's stuff here. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I've heard people talk about it for years and years and years, and honestly, this was my first experience with it, too. So, I can see, even in just a short demo where we ran around in circles and got lost, um, just from the little tiny bit that we saw... I can see why it's interesting. I can see why people like it, and I am intrigued. It's not perfect, but it's got stuff. And you know, like, my whole thing is... My whole thing when it comes to getting interested in video games is, like, you can keep all of the polish. I don't care what it looks like. I don't particularly care what it sounds like, which is good because the music was not anything to talk about.
1: Well, that's what's interesting is, in the demo, what we... Heard wasn't good, but apparently it's one of the shining features of the game. Oh. Now, we didn't play any bosses, we didn't do anything. Right, right. But, like, looking over the reviews, I kind of think that you should play it. Like, IGN gave it a 93 and said it was an ambitious game that achieved nearly everything it set out to do that few games put, you know, come close to doing, and this game puts Tomb Raider to shame.
0: That doesn't. <laughs>
1: Crystal Dynamics finest moment with a title that should make Lara Croft seem like yesterday's news.
0: I guess they're comparing it to Tomb Raider because it's a Crystal Dynamics game. Yeah.
1: Apparently anti-hero gothic theming is, is very popular among people who love the game and played it a lot.
0: I mean, yeah. Deep
1: and interesting story with lots of amazing plot twists that make you go, what? That happened?
0: I mean, again... These are some late '90s reviews. Everything that they're saying is groundbreaking. Has done has been done more and better since then. But still, I think that it's it's something I'd be interested. It's of all of the ones that we played, that's the one that I came away being like, I might I might pursue that. I'd be interested in going back and seeing more of that. Apparently, actually. the
1: voice acting is amazing. I don't believe we, we heard hear any voice I don't acting. Know if we heard
0: it. any voice acting.
1: Thoughtful puzzles. Engaging, creative o- OST is nothing short of spectacular. That's like fourth review that I've seen that yeah. says that about it. But all we heard was like clicking sounds. <laughs> yeah, like, it was just like ambient tones, and I'm like, yeah, this sounds like Dead Space. and I'm Yeah, just it was just it, it was
0: just creepy tones and the same like the same droning drum beat of like dum dum dum
1: dum dum dum. Now we also just you know walked around the same area repeatedly trying to solve a puzzle. I think
0: that was the whole demo. Yeah. I think once we'd gotten that whole torch lighting thing figured out, it would have been over.
1: Yeah. So all in all, I mean, again, maybe this, I don't know if the Steam version has, maybe they have updated control possibilities on Steam.
0: Possibly. It might, like, I'd be interested in seeing if it is actually a sort of, not a full remaster, but if there's just some quality of life improvements to it.
1: And I'm interested to know whether or not Tom is familiar with the game and whether or not he's played it or heard about it. Yeah.
0: It's something I could certainly bring up to him. It would probably—I assume—it's a long year-ish game.
1: Mm, let's see how long it'd be. Keep, keep talking, though.
0: Cause like that'll—it doesn't mean we won't play it, but it might be more difficult to schedule in, considering his uh, mm, his schedule has been has been complicated. I would—I would guess, given the type of game, hours. I was going to say probably ten to fifteen hours. That's doable. That's I can do that in three or four streams
1: yeah i would be really interested in a longer discussion about it because of everything that we played besides mgs like you said i feel like it was the most interesting Mm -hmm. and the most that had me sort of like scratching my head being like why haven't i heard more about this game right and why don't i know more about it and i think the aesthetic alone and the lack of ability for me to play playstation one as a kid sort of keeps me away from that
0: but it's hard to go back to a lot of these games now because I feel like this era specifically of like late nineties three D has aged the worst of almost any type of game.
1: Yeah, I feel like yeah, PS one games in particular that really went after the three D stuff, and then
0: sixty four, like anything and from that, anything from that group of stuff. Around, like, Dreamcast, PS2, they start figuring it out, and a lot of those games you can go back and still have a really good time with, but PS1 just wasn't quite there yet. as like playing a bunch of games in beta. But still, this is the one that I came away with. Legend- Legacy of kane is the one I came away with and was the most, like, yeah, kind of inter- interested in more of that. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool, actually. Um...
1: Specifically, this was Soul Reaver, right?
0: Soul Reaver, yes. There's
1: one other one called Defiance, I think, and then Blood Omen Legacy of Cain is another in the series.
0: I believe Soul Reaver is the first one? Okay. But I'm not sure. But anyway, Medieval 2. Oh my god. Medieval 2. Oh boy. Um, so like, there's charm.
1: It does have a cute aesthetic, I'll give it that.
0: It's just, God, it's so fast and the the camera is all over the place and you move way too fast and combat is a disaster. And again, you got to take all this with a grain of salt because I know people really like medieval, but like we're dropped into the middle of these games and we we play them for like 20 or 30 minutes. So it is a very quick hit of, like, how do these games present themselves in a demo format? And this is one where we actually played the full demo. Yeah. At no point in that demo did I feel like the the combat made sense. It is, like, there is no worse feeling than a hack and slash that, like, doesn't really give you the opportunity to avoid damage.
1: Well, and it didn't really feel like you were capable of locking on to anything even when you took over and you were just moving and trying to slap like slice things i'm like he's missing half of the time and just taking damage every time you get also the like the gun like you get a gun and the gun <laughs> doesn't make sense
0: it's hard enough to aim the melee weapons exactly it's like because of the way the camera it's, the camera's kind of top down But it's zoomed in too far, so you can't see what's more than, like, a few spaces from you. I say spaces, but, like, it's a 3D environment. It's not like it's grid-based, but, like, it's... If it were grid-based, your camera view generally is about two to three spaces in in any one direction. So, like, you have this gun, and it's a useful weapon, but you can't see what you're aiming at like almost ever at all and it's just like i i i feel so many aspects of a fun game here that i don't feel like they coalesce at all
1: i just think the demo itself is fine but it it mechanically it felt all over the place and you didn't. it didn't give you enough time to really appreciate the charm of the game before yeah. throwing you in. No, I mean, I guess you could talk to What's-His-Face, the ghost guy, who, boy.
0: Uh, typical late 90s, like, wisecracking sidekick making joke after joke after joke that doesn't land at all. Just, like, completely stone-faced, like, oh, wow, that was, oh, you were trying to be funny.
1: This game also rated incredibly high, yeah on Metacritic, and just people love it and it got a remake I think I, Resur- think, the, I think the remake
0: is not
1: well IGN gave it a 72 or something like yeah. that for the remake, but the original was like four point eight out of five 90s
0: yeah
1: high 80s 90s scoring and I think yeah
0: I know people really really like it, and I just I don't know if it's like the demo is weird or if it's just that there's it felt really, like, there was a key mechanic in the game that I wasn't getting. There's, like, something, there's, like, a particular way you're supposed to play it, and I just wasn't playing it that way. But I'm trying to, like, avoid, I'm trying to avoid taking damage, I'm trying to avoid the attacks and sort of counterattack, I guess sort of Dark Souls-ish, as, like, the attacks come out too fast, so you can't really get attacks in, in between attacks, so then you just kind of go in and try to take the initiative and just blow them away, and then it just turns into this mess of like everybody's taking damage. Just like smash. Bah, 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 well you bah, know bah. and
1: you know another reason why it was it was so jarring is because Legacy of Cain combat actually felt good. Yeah, it did. And you could go and in complete, and actually lay a combo and yeah. it felt good. But in this case, the enemy still moves when you, you can't stun lock it. You can't hit it into, into the same location yeah. to end to get into a combo and you felt frantic.
0: Yes. Yeah, it absolutely feels frantic and it feels like you were just not really in control of the situation. Like, ever. And then we got to a boss fight and the boss fight was
1: fine. It reminds me of, like, a Mario boss.
0: Yeah. Like, but like the really annoying kind where you just kind of have to run around in a circle while it does its, specifically you know, unblockable, an Odyssey boss. unblockable, uncounterable attacks.
1: Don't come for me, Odyssey fans. Like Mario Odyssey, Mario, Mario Odyssey World, pre- like very predictable boss fights that, yeah. that I mean, the Mario fights in general. But really. Mario
0: Odyssey has like high skill quick kills where you can like, you know, you can actually do these faster. If you're, you know, if you're good enough and you platform, whereas like, I don't know, maybe this has that, but it really felt like the type of boss where it's like, okay, just kind of run around and avoid things and do nothing for like a minute, minute and a half. And then eventually
1: he's going to knock himself dizzy.
0: Yeah, the boss will decide to expose its weak point and then you can hit it one time and then go back into your cycle. And it's like, I really dislike the boss fight where you cannot speed up the cycle. Like most boss fights, it's like there may be a vulnerable point where you can pour in a lot of damage. But there's also like if you're good at avoiding their attacks, you can sort of counterattack them and sort of hit them with really precise movements while you're, you know, while you're trying to break open that that sort of weak point or whatever. And this is just like, no, just I'm going to breathe. I'm going to do fire and I'm going to do charges and you're going to just run around and avoid that. And then there will be a big-ass glowing weak point, and you can hit it one time.
1: I will say, kind of clever for them to bring in mobs while the glowing point is available. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you thought you could just go up the back of this thing and slash him in his weak spot, but actually we're sending in mobs to attack you. But, you know, the mobs disappear once he went back into his normal cycle, which would have been more difficult had they actually left him there.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know that they're necessarily going for difficult, and I... The thing is, like, I criticize it because I found it boring, but it's functional.
1: I really like the aesthetic. I think it's cute. I love that cartoony. Because what it does well is it takes the the struggles that the PlayStation 1 has with aesthetic because of, like, 3D modeling and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And actually makes that work for it.
0: Yeah. It's... They
1: don't try to be, like, how human can we make these characters look? Like? Right, FF7 right. Like, 7 or 8.
0: Yeah, Tom and I look at, talk about this all the time. Where it's like, if you have a if you have a well realized art style, mm-hmm. and you have a particular way that you, you want well. things to look, the art style ages much much better than just a blind rush for realism at all costs. Yep. And this is definitely a well realized art style rather than rather than an attempt at at which realism. is why
1: for some reason we get the last of the last of us. <laughs> Or whatever they're going to call the the newest remake of it.
0: Is that really what they're calling it? I don't
1: know what it's called. I'm just making a joke because I saw that on Twitter. Someone's like, 2025 release of The Last of the Last of Us on PS6.
0: That's a really good name, actually. Honestly. uh, Like, I I actually like that.
1: Or what you were saying about the texture pack for DS1, or remastered, where they put out this texture pack and it looks too good. Mm -hmm. And it takes the aesthetic of Dark Souls and murkiness of it completely away. And now all of the edges are sharp. And like, it doesn't, I don't like that. I don't like when the the game, the remastered makes the game look worse. I feel like something similar happened with Yakuza.
0: Yeah. It's like, we have this, we have this new system that, that like sort of smooths out all the textures and makes everything look more, look more crisp. And it's like, but the, the lack of judgment that that happened with judgment, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The upgrade to PS5 and people were like, this looks better on PS4. Yeah.
0: Yeah, why is all every why is everything all weird and glossy now? Yeah, I think that's one of the big things you lose a lot of like when you really try to up upres those textures. Everything looks kind of glossy and fake, mm-hmm. and like sometimes the sometimes the the jagged edges and the pixels actually add to a almost a, a sense of more realism, and you lose that a bit when you upres it. So I like I think medieval does use its its capabilities. To just execute a really nice sort of Saturday morning cartoon looking art style. And it's it's cute. It just wasn't very much fun to play. But it was, you know, it was cute to look at.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't come for us. I mean, maybe it's really good and we got a bad shake at it.
0: We have to we have to, like, take every one of these as like we spent 20 minutes on a demo disc. The demo disc may actually be a bad demo. It may actually, like, some of these issues may have been fixed in the final game. Some of it, it it may just be that they dropped us in and we didn't know how to play.
1: (laughs) In before Emperor's New Groove apologists or or Cool Borders apologists. I feel
0: like we were nicest to the Emperor's New Groove. You know what the Emperor's New Groove had that a lot of these others didn't? Like, decent camera controls. Actually. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Not good, but decent. The next one's on. The, the next one on the list is Siphon Filter Two, which we didn't play. Yeah, it wouldn't load. It wouldn't load. There were some scratches on the disc. I chalked it up to that. So, but we, we know that it's it. a
1: decent game. It's a series that's been going for a long time.
0: Uh, right. I, it it went for a while, and I think has stopped for a longer while. Hmm. But it was a big thing for a while. It was one of the first really good like first person shooter franchises.
1: I guess the most recent one was 2007.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. So when you say it's been going for a long time, it's, you know, it's been not going for a long time. But this one was from like 1998 or something. So it was in there for like 10 years or so. I don't know who makes Siphon Filter, so I don't know who's now consequently not making Siphon Filter. But yeah. Bend Studio? Oh, I don't know who that is. Maybe that's why they're not making 989
1: it. 989 published and owned by Sony.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I, I could do more. I don't know what's going on with 989 anymore, because I mentioned during the during the stream that I Whoops. <laughs> I mentioned during the stream that uh I only really knew 989 as the sports studio. And they're not really doing those anymore because
1: it doesn't exist anymore.
0: Yeah, that sounds right.
1: I've seen past tense on Wikipedia.
0: <laughs> was 989 was Okay, so,
1: yeah. Sony released sports games under 989 Sports until 2005 when the when the brand was retired.
0: Right. Which so. basically was because I think they made NFL 2K5 and then EA went and bought the rights to exclusive NFL branding for the next 20 years so they could drive that brand into the ground.
1: But they published a lot of stuff that honestly Cool borders, yeah. Siphon filter, it's twisted metal, like late twisted metal. Mm. Jet Moto, Cyber Strike, yeah. Okay, Cardinal Sin.
0: Oh God, the one on the other demo disc.
1: Goodness, look at the art for this.
0: Oh my God, it's the most edge.
1: <sighs> Chronos Digital.
0: Catherine didn't have that much edge.
1: I always like looking at this, this is reception. Three out of ten.
0: Oh, that almost makes me want to go play it now.
1: Four out of ten. Five out of ten by IGN. Mixed reviews. Three out of ten is not a mixed review. I guess mixed against that IGN was like, here's a five, please don't. Do you
0: know how bad a game has to be to get under a six?
1: Pretty bad. Like, broken in a lot
0: of ways. Like, if it functions on a basic level, you get a six. Like, it can be boring as sin, but it's like, hey, the game's not falling apart. Yeah. It's all right. Six out of ten. Like, it has to be, like, unfinished.
1: You know what most 6 out of 10 reviews have? is like, nothing groundbreaking, is what they usually mm-hmm. say about the game. Nothing groundbreaking here. Yeah. Or, like, Madden. It's like, yep, it's a Madden. They don't really do anything new here. Yeah. But you get what you want.
0: 7 out of 10. 8 out of, 8 out of 10. It's another Madden game. 8 out of 10.
1: Now I'm curious, and maybe later we'll go through and play that demo.
0: Yeah, it's it's honestly kind of intriguing. Not now. to
1: mention that Nitrous Oxide game. Like, what? Now I want to know.
0: So let's talk about your first experience with Metal Gear Solid.
1: I'm bad at the sneak, you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the funny thing is, it actually did drop you into the very opening of that game. So we can't take the, uh, we can't use the excuse of like, oh, it just drops you in the middle and doesn't explain what to do. That is how the game starts. And the thing is like the cinematic opening and like the sort of the, the cinematography of those opening shots doesn't hit as hard now because it's been almost 25 years and we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen Kojima himself do it better in subsequent games, but for the time it was still a lot is like that whole scene where like, Snake takes off his, his scuba gear in the elevator, and the title card comes up, and you see his blocky-ass face. Yeah. Like...
1: The demo, interestingly enough, had the Japanese voices with yeah. like the English subtitles, which was really cool to hear because they got only the best.
0: Yeah. akio Otsuka as, as Snake, which so was... So smooth. Oh my god. Like it's a really good voice. Like I sort of lamented not hearing David Hayter and the voices that I'm used to. But like boy, it's it's well acted in Japanese as well. And also <laughs> hearing hearing Akio Otsuka do solid snake like twenty five years before he was Adachi. Yep. In uh in uh like a Yakuza, like a dragon. Like, he's just, is this old, washed-up cop who's just yucking it up. Like, it's such a different role, and just hearing, honestly, just hearing his voice 20, 25 years earlier. Yeah. Is, like, you can tell it's still him, but there is, like, I don't know, it's different. There's a different, there's a different feel to it. It's not as grizzled. I
1: feel like Snake flirt, like, David Hader as Snake flirting with the character's I
0: forgot how H- much H-
1: hits a bit different than Akio's voice, which is so smooth mm-hmm. and like kind of reminds me of Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, in where the you're way just that it's presented, it. and he's just like, you know, let me go over here and smoke my cigarette. But you, you're you checking me out over here while I
0: yeah. I forgot how much like how horny the opening of that game is, <laughs> like. Dude straight up goes like back to back in like the same call he hits on like two different women. Yeah, he's like he talks to Mei Ling and he's like, "Oh, I didn't expect you to be so cute. You're so pretty. Yeah. Oh wow, it's I didn't expect such a such a beautiful woman as being a being a specialist." And then like literally ninety seconds later, Naomi's like, "You can strip search me when you get back." And he's like, "I will hold you to that." Yeah is like okay yeah all right it's funny because in later games in the series literally snake's sexuality and like and like sexual drive is a fairly significant plot point because of like the because of his origins as a as a as a person um, this comes up a lot, and it makes all of this, like, weirdly flirty, horny energy in the beginning of MGS1 kind of bizarre in retrospect. But anyway, um, the the demo for MGS, you basically did the whole thing. You were like, you were like a few, you were li- literally a few steps from getting into the vent. If you would just... Ducked if
1: down and got into the vent instead of shooting the dude and setting off the alarm. I mean.
0: <laughs> the, by far, the best part of the of the entire experience was, oh, a security camera. Pow!
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh shit. Because I, I thought what was happening was the security camera picked me up. And that's why he called oh. it out. So I was like, well, I'm dead anyway. So bam, 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 bam. I'll just <laughs> shoot you all.
0: Like the security camera hadn't stopped, hadn't spotted you yet, but a, a, a cutscene came up where Snake points out that there's a security camera up there. And so like what ended up happening is you had the, the SOCOM pistol equipped and you were like, it was like, ooh, a security camera. And then as soon as the cutscene broke, you shot the dude who was sleeping <laughs> under
1: the security under camera. the
0: security camera.
1: I was trying to shoot the security
0: camera. But it was like the split second you got control. Is like the the timing literally is oh a security camera. Pow!
1: Yep.
0: Are you saying pow? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah, that was that was awesome. <laughs> so the MGS takes some time to get used to, and I never actually played the the PS1 version of metal gear solid i played a re-release that came out on gamecube called the twin snakes which actually changes the control scheme um it gives you first person aiming for shooting which you don't have in this game Mm -hmm. but you can actually like you can actually (laughs) hold a button and go into like an actual first person shooter type you know similar to what
1: you did with the binoculars yeah yeah
0: so yeah original mgs1 doesn't have that and so it and it also works on um, D pad control instead of analog control. So it makes, I think, a lot of things easier. It also is widely panned for adding a lot more almost Devil May Cry style anime nonsense action cutscenes. But that is the experience that I had with Metal Gear Solid 1. So this was kind of new to me. And you don't really get much of the game, you get the initial scene where you're getting onto the elevator with the credits going and everything. And you're in the scuba suit and you just have to sneak past a couple, a couple people and you get on the elevator and you get the title screen. And then you get that first infiltration bit where you're out in the snowfield, and you get a couple of codex calls. And then it's like, get in the vent so you can get into the shadow Moses facility. And then like, I expected to get a next scene, but it literally is just like, no, to be continued. Yeah. So you basically got through most of that. I think that if you like you're really trying to like figure out all these controls at once and it's all just kind of flying at you at the same time and you got significantly better over the 15 20 minutes that you played it but i think that you could get to a point where you're comfortable with it and actually enjoy that game but i wouldn't like really push it super hard on you like it is a it is a big important game that should be experienced but i think you can basically have a similar experience, just watching the story of it, rather than playing yourself.
1: I was most struck by the way that all of those other demos on the same disc started, and it's like you know, stan- it just kind of bog in. standard, like oh, there's a menu, and then also just hit start to start the demo or whatever. But this was like, no, this is a movie, mm-hmm. and I can just see David Cage. Watching this and being like, "Oh my god, I won't do that."
0: The emotions.
1: I wouldn't do that. I can do that better than that. No, you
0: can't. Okay, but okay, but what if Solid Snake abuses a woman? <laughs> it's, okay, you gotta be careful because, like, <laughs> it's it's close. There are there are some moments, but. Why are you looking at me like that?
1: <laughs> I'm just wondering if you want to delete that from the podcast.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, there are some there are some moments in, in Metal Gear Solid that are, like, not super female positive.
1: You never played 5.
0: I never played 5.
1: But you played 4. I remember you playing 4.
0: Yes. Yep. Years ago. 5 went into open world and they dropped David Hayter as the voice of Snake. And I was just like... It had been so long between 4 and 5 that I was just like, I, I'm out. It's kind of the same experience I had with Final Fantasy, where, like, the weight between 12 and 13 was so vast that by the time 13 came out, I was already into Persona and had basically lost interest in the direction that, that Final Fantasy was going. So I basically just stopped playing those games altogether. I, mean, I did play 15, but that was half because of work. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I like, I am not going to sit here and say anything negative about Metal Gear Solid. But I don't think that it is like an absolute, like, I wouldn't push it on you and be like, this is an absolute must. You have to play it, especially if you didn't enjoy your first experience with it. But I do think that your first experience with it is, this is kind of an awkward control scheme to learn mm-hmm. in a few minutes and just go and learn to go with. And... You can, once you understand what the basics are and what it's asking of you, it makes a lot more sense than you think it does. But it just takes a while to get to that point where everything's kind of moving fluidly.
1: Stealth has never been something that I particularly liked in a game. Mm. And I know that, I mean, I played...
0: It makes you so nervous. Yeah,
1: I played Metal Gear Yeah. on the NES, and I was like, this is impossible. <laughs> a funny story. My brother actually it, punched a hole in the wall, and I'm pretty sure it was because of Metal Gear.
0: I mean, only once.
1: I'm. I mean, specifically that game. That time. That time.
0: <laughs> Later, it was controllers through walls for different games.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: So, last game on the list is Tekken Three. And I feel like this is the game that we have probably the least to talk about because there's like two characters and you get to do one fight. Yep. Tekken 3 largely lauded as one of the best fighting games of all time. And I didn't see anything in the game that makes me question that. No. But I also like... The demo didn't really give you enough though you get to use like two characters in one fight and in the, and you can't adjust anything in that fight. You get like the, you get the level one CPU in arcade mode and you get a best of three match and that's it. And I mean, I did, you didn't, I didn't get a move list. Yeah. So, and I'm not really, I'm not really used to Tekken. So like the, the, what do I want to say? Like the, the way you're supposed to use characters and the combos and everything. Like usually with a new fighting game, I would just kind of go down through the list and use different characters and just hit buttons with them. And eventually there will be one where like the way that I hit buttons feels good. Yeah. And things are starting to come together really naturally. And then I will be like, "Ooh, i like this. Let me try to learn this character. And I didn't really get that with this because neither of the two that... We had a, Xiao Yu and and Eddie. And need, I played both of them and Eddie felt a little bit better. but I was like, neither of these are probably characters that I would generally use. I don't know if it's because they're just not beginner friendly. But I don't know. I didn't really feel a whole lot of strong inclination to like learn one of the characters, but I also wasn't really into, you know, I wasn't like, let's learn a fighting game today.
1: Yeah. But also not having the move list is sort of detrimental in this case. of like, but I assume assume that if you've played Tekken 1 and 2, and you're waiting on 3 to come out, you have an idea of basic movesets, and I don't think they would have changed it that much. I'm just looking over the timeline actually for, for the releases for all of the Tekken games.
0: Oh god, that's a lot.
1: It's not that many well, original Tekken 1994 to the 95. mainline
0: Tekken games, but then you have like Tekken Tag and Street Fighter Cross Tekken and all the spin off stuff. Sure,
1: but this is what's really interesting. So, this was three, yeah. Three came out in what, 98? '97, is um, it '97? '97, March 20th, '97, okay. four, '2001, five, '2004, six. Two thousand seven and then seven 2015. Yeah. There's a huge break there. And now we're getting ready for eight and eight'll be next year, I think.
0: Yeah. There was a there was a large period of time where um fighting games were not particularly healthy through most of the like early aughts. Like after uh after Street Fighter Two died down and Street Fighter Three didn't really set the world on fire, there was everyone kind of jumped on and tried to replicate the success of street fighter two. And there was just a glut of subpar fighting games. Yeah. And it really kind of buried the scene for a while. And then street fighter four is what really brought it back from the brink. And now fighting games are doing amazing, Mm. but that's a big part of why you have a big, in a lot of uh, major franchises like Tekken, you have a big gap where it's like, let's just write out the most recent entry. Because, like, fighting games are not really going to make us a bunch of money right now. And, you know, Street Fighter 4 kind of brought the whole, that whole genre back from the brink. Right. And then we started getting, we started getting new tech in. We started getting, like, that's around the time that Arxis started, you know, you got, like, um, P4 Arena. And they started doing their whole, like, we've got Guilty Gear, but we also can help you make a great fighting game out of your property. That's random, right. uh, random anime game. Yep. And now they're like, now Arxis is on top of the pile, like easily. Shoutouts outs to uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z getting their re-release with Rollback. Mm. So people can actually play that game now. And I'm legitimately excited about the about uh, Street Fighter 6. Honestly.
1: It looks amazing. It looks <laughs> the, really the cool. The aesthetic is so cool. Like, I'm not a fighting game person, because I've just not. Never have been. I think the only game that I ever found myself slightly invested in is Mortal Kombat, but...
0: You play a little bit of KI. Yeah. Sorry, that's killer instinct. For the uninitiated. <laughs> Did you know that Rumbleverse is made by Iron Galaxy Studios, who were responsible for the, like, latter seasons of of the new Killer Instinct remake?
1: If you haven't seen Rumbleverse, it's freaking awesome. I only played for a couple hours, and I'm so in. It's just really...
0: I thought you were going to do a couple matches, and then, like, you weren't really doing very well, so I thought you were going to be like, I don't know, it's not for me. And then I came in and did the the fantasy football draft because I ended up joining your your brother's league to fill out the the team list. Yeah. And I came in to do that and I thought you were going to just quit and also do that. And then you ended up playing through the whole thing and you're yep. still playing when I was done. <laughs>
1: this is why I ended the draft with no kicker and no <laughs> linebacker. But <laughs> then I went and I was like, oh, I got to go put in some waiver claims because I don't have any, all of my roster spots. Because I literally was like, if you aren't, Really paying attention when you're drafting, the, the the it'll just tell you what is the best best player that's available. Mm-hmm. And I just c- kept clicking someone in the top five that I recognize the name because I, yeah. haven't, I haven't been really invested in NFL in a long time.
0: Yeah, me neither.
1: I was only invested last year because Matt Stafford
0: was yeah. in the Super Bowl. But... Yeah, yeah, but in terms of like knowing the names of the players on all of the teams, like that, you ten years ago I could have done that. I could have told you all of the starters on all of the teams for all of the positions. And now it's like, I don't even know half the players on my own team. It's just like, I still, I'm still going to like make some time to watch some games here and there, but I'm not like a hard invested super fan. Like I was, you know, a decade ago.
1: So I'm really curious if you're listening, if there's a demo disc that you played or you remember playing in the past, just curious, because I do remember doing, playing some of these. The weirdest part about this one is by this point, we already had a PS2 and we just basically stopped playing the PlayStation 1 once we had a PS2. Because I, I, I got into Guitar Hero and then just mm. basically stopped playing anything that wasn't a rhythm game for yeah, a yeah, while.
0: Yeah. Did you notice that there is a subscribe today... Uh, thing on the demo disc around the middle ring, but it's actually cut off. Oh, so you God. can't see, it's got a phone number there, but you can't really read the phone number. The fun thing for me about this is it's like still printed, you can if you really if you really care and also that number's defunct now. Tempted to call. I think the coolest thing for me is that technically speaking. Despite the fact that I recognize all of these games as being, like, renowned PlayStation classics, except for, like, Cool Borders and Emperor's New Group. Um, Which I think, I think those two are the games that were, like, hey, here's new games coming out for the PlayStation 1 right now. Because, like, this is a 2001 demo disc. Cool Borders 2001 is probably a current game. But those two are so far beneath the quality of all the other ones. That I feel like it's, here's two new games and seven really, really good games from the last few years.
1: Oh, we didn't mention this, but there's also four videos um, of games coming out on the PS2, uh, including... I don't know if they're
0: all PS2 games, but... I and think... if the
1: NHL face-off 2001, uh-huh. NBA shootout 2001, uh-huh. Red Faction, which was definitely a PS2 game, and then The Bouncer... <laughs> The which is,
0: Bouncer. Which, which is, is a, a PS2 game. It was a launch title, I believe.
1: Yeah. There it
0: is. Still sitting on the shelf. Still want to do that for a podcast. Can't get it running to my PS2. read errors all day. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. hmm Anyway, that was our journey through the uh, May 2001 official U.S. PlayStation that's magazine fine. demo disc. That's
1: why I thought I had Red Faction. We have Red Faction
0: 2 on the Xbox. That's why. I also have, I feel like I have Red Faction Armageddon via, like, Humble Bundle or something. Yeah, I believe it was released on PC, too.
1: Because I think that's how we had it. My brother played all the Red Faction games on computer.
0: So, here's the really important question. We played, like, eight different games. What music are we going to use to open and end the podcast? We have well, We have more options than ever before.
1: Well, there's some of them that are going to get you... Well, I guess it doesn't matter
0: on a podcast. It matters a little bit, but not that much. Like, I can't use licensed music. What
1: I was going to suggest is just find somebody's track where they take the opening sound of the PS1 and make it into a remix.
0: I could just straight up open the podcast. If you've listened to this point, you already know what we've decided on on opening the podcast. And, like, literally just having it be the PlayStation startup sound would be... Kind of sick, actually. I might I might just do that.
1: Do that and then end
0: with uh, MGS music. Certainly could do that. Tekken 3's got a really, really good soundtrack, mm-hmm. too. But I don't think we got to hear most of it. That's true. We only played for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think of all of the games that were on this disc, I'm the most interested in Legacy of Kain.
0: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Ape Escape is a game that I feel like is... Could have been kind of fun at the time, but like, we're just too far past it now. Mechanically, I feel like, a-
1: aesthetically, it reminds me of Monkey Ball, I guess because monkeys are involved. Yeah. <laughs> Not a big stretch on that one. But, but like, mechanically, it's so challenging to just disconnect what your brain has now been wired to do. Yeah, there are certain the
0: things you're dropped into an environment and you pick up your controller and you just expect certain buttons to do certain things. And when they don't and they're not even close, it's like you have to like, you kind of short circuit for a minute. Yeah. And you have to completely rewire some things.
1: It's it's the kind of game that I would watch a speed run of because it'd be really awesome if it's just 100% of it. I think that would be interesting.
0: I think I saw a speed run of Ape Escape 3.
1: Or maybe, maybe not play this one, but maybe play a later iteration where they've got the controls a little bit better. Yeah. It's not a bad
0: concept for a game. It's kind of cute. Yeah, Puzzle-y? I I mean, Tekken Three is a known classic, but like, it's really different. Like, if I were if I were going to get into a fighting game right now, it would be Guilty Gear Strive or Street Fighter Six. Like, those are the ones that I'm most interested in in like actually picking up. Mm-hmm. But even still, I'm not going to take the time necessary to actually learn those games. It would just be you know poking around in it a little bit to have some fun. Um. MGS is a known classic, so there's nothing much to say about that. Everything else, I am pretty comfortable to just kind of leave. Yeah. Like, Legacy of Cain is the one that came out of this and it was like, yeah, no, I'm interested. I'm very interested. Also, fun fact, the only one of these games I'd actually played before this demo disc is Legend of Dragoon, technically. Yeah, because you didn't play. Because I didn't play Metal Gear Solid on PS1. Mm-hmm. So I did play all of Twin Snake, so I know how that story goes, and I have basically played that game, but not this version of the game. Legend of, Dra- of Dragoon, I played for like four hours last fall as a request, and that's the only game I'd actually ever touched before. Which is wild to think about, because everything else is an absolute classic, but I just hadn't played them before. And frankly, mostly because of age. I am I could just not play most of them at this point.
1: I mean, I don't believe they aged well. And it's not like people are over here like, you know what needs a remaster? The Emperor's New Groove.
0: Yeah. All the rest of them, like, maybe. Like an, like an Ape Escape remake? Sure. Legacy of Cain remake? We've talked about at length. Medieval got a remake. Metal Gear has gotten several remakes. Tekken 3, there's sequels to it, so you can sort of argue every... When it comes to fighting games, every sequel kind of is a remake. Yeah, but also
1: some people are just like... It's like the people who are all on, on Melee, right? Yep.
0: It's yep. like, don't
1: change it. It's it's just as it it's is. It's perfect. Perfect. Don't mess with it.
0: I mean, Max has like... Uh, Max has like 109 videos of him playing Street Fighter Third Strike. <laughs> just because like, no, that's the one. This is the game. So... Yeah, I feel like Tekken 3 is in that, is in that department of like, no, this one's the one. I'll find, you know what I'll do? I'll find really, really good music from Tekken 3 that we, that wasn't on the demo disc and just play, just play a really, really good track from that. Like right now. Because the podcast is over now.
1: Okay, bye.